0: I'm a writer, I'm a producer, I'm a podcaster, and I'm happy to be with my sisters today. Liz, where are you today? Where are you? Lynn, funny you should ask. I am in beautiful Bend, Oregon. It's a gorgeous day here in Central Oregon. I'm going to be here for the 4th of July holiday. Super psyched to be here. And Julie, I hear it's like 10,000 degrees in Dallas. Yes, How are it you is. doing there? In your- <laughs> it's, it's warm. It's warm. We're all, everybody's staying inside. We just hope this big heat dome moves off. I'm in Dallas, Texas. Um, okay, sisters. Here's the question of the week. A reoccurring nightmare. Do you have one of those? Can I tell you that I woke up this morning in a panic because I had forgotten to apply to college? Yes, that's right. I forgot to <laughs> apply to college. I woke up out of my bed. It was May 1st in my mind. I was like, well, maybe I can put throw something together and get into UT. That was my dream. <laughs> okay. Wow. What do you think that's about? I don't know. But how about you? Do you have reoccurring nightmares? You know what? I I didn't really until last week's news cycle. And I will now think about that submersible for the rest of my life. So that is now my reoccurring nightmare. As a claustrophobe, like I had a lot of elevator related nightmares and I think now they will be submersible related. Yeah. Yeah, that was a terrible, terrible news story and terrifying for me. Liz? Well, I don't really think of it as a nightmare, but I do frequently dream that I am lost and circling around and around and around and just can't find the turn I'm supposed to be taking. So Oh, that's yeah. travel anxiety. That's you not being able to get to the airport on time. <laughs> I'm I, I think it might even be deeper than that, Leah, I, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe our guest today can help us figure help me figure that out. But Yeah, Liz, we yeah. are talking to Chip Conley. He is the founder of the Modern Elder Academy. I know you're going to tell us a little bit more about yeah. his whole situation before we talk to him, but we are like taking midlife and we're shaking it up, aren't we? Shaking it up. That's what MEA does. They help guide you through midlife. So more on that later in the show. All right. Also today on the show, uh, we have a couple of entertainment stories. Um, first of all, I, I don't know if you were aware you guys that we are in the middle of a steely dan renaissance or a oh. steely steely danissance and uh the the millennials the gen z they've discovered the dan and they love them so i have some suggestions now that they if they want to further explore music of the 70s that might be underappreciated. I have three suggestions for them uh for the next Steely Dan. And also we're gonna talk about Barbie. I mean Barbie Barbie Barbie. I it's know all we hear about. I have super mixed feelings on that. Super mixed feelings. I mean huh, enough Barbie. I uh, we'll just okay. have to discuss. Yeah. But first Julie, I mean what the heck happened in Moscow and Russia this weekend? I mean well, what happened what, what happened? the heck okay well let's first of all let's just start with the, uh, my qualifications you know that a uh, longtime listeners know that i used to live in moscow for 5 years but so have a lot of people but then this story this weekend i don't think many journalists or commentators can say that they have actually dined At the restaurant, the floating restaurant that Evgeny Prigozhin has in St. Petersburg. Uh I was in that restaurant and I am not 100% sure. I'm about 90% sure that he was even there because some older type that was super, super gracious and showing us stuff. And yes, so that is possible. I believe that I have an inside track on the hot dog <laughs> seller turned restaurant owner, caterer, warlord that led a coup against, I guess, uh, uh, Putin's government. So, wow, that's a unique qualification, Julie. I didn't even know it was a floating restaurant. <laughs> See, I learned that already from you. Nobody, I know, I mean, it was, it was it actually President, President George W. Bush, 41, he dined on this boat as well. So... <laughs> I mean, I was in Russia when there weren't that many restaurants, right? So yeah. you know, it was it was we had we didn't have many choices. But and he wasn't a warlord at the time, okay? Right. So, 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 Putin he, had recently come to power during the time you were living in. Russia. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. And as as we all know now, that uh, Bragoshin is a very longtime friend. They call him the chef uh, and uh, an ally of Putin. So. Here's what I think about what happened in Russia, okay? First of all, it's always about the money, okay? That this failed attempt uh, may be more of been a dispute about resources and finances. Keep in mind that Putin, Prigoshin, and Lukashenko uh, in Belarus that brokered this this peace deal or whatever— they're all billionaires. Okay. That's important. These are these are battling billionaires. Okay. Keep that in mind, I think, because I think maybe he just got mad and decided to send, you know, a column of troops up the road, Liz, you know, that this was, he was protesting or negotiating more than try, that trying to take over the government. Okay? I mean, not to diminish it, but it does seem very old school just to like, send a column of troops up the road you know i just like i was surprised at like the sort of mid 20th century feel of the whole thing here in the 21st century but okay i like i see your point yep it could it could definitely have been about the money Prigozhin was under they were you know they were trying to reduce his resources and there is another group of mercenaries led by the russian gas company Gazprom. That was also co- trying to compete with Prigozhin's forces. So okay, so just just so the Russian gas company also has their own army. Yes, Liz. Yeah, okay. they're backed back by Russian gas money. Okay, so yeah, yeah, you got to get an army. Okay, so that's the first thing. <laughs> got to Get an army. Okay. okay, it's always about the money. Second thing is nothing in Russia happens that doesn't start in the Kremlin. Now that's someone told me that when I first moved to Moscow, and I think that's true. I think maybe if it was a coup possibly it was a coup that maybe um Prigozhin had hoped that allies in the Kremlin members of the military or others were going to come forward and when they didn't hmm. that's he yeah. decided he started to put the brakes on to stop the column or hmm. here is my here's really what I think is that Putin put Prigozhin up to this okay that, okay. And we'll now be- we're getting to the good stuff. Right. right. Okay. To okay. The okay. okay, this is my, this is what I think. I think Putin put Prigozhin up, uh, up for this. You, you heard today, we're uh, doing this podcast on Tuesday, that Putin has decided that he's not going to punish Prigozhin in any way. And that um, I think he might have done it to root out other disloyal people in uh, in the Kremlin. That's what I thought. Oh, oh. was a way of like sourcing them out. Yes, yes. So let's see mm-hmm. who's going to go along with this fake coup. Okay. okay. Because uh, that may be <laughs> possible. All right. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be laughing because these are all terrible people, but terrible. Gosh, this yes. It's unbelievable. Okay. Well, okay. And certainly, I think we have a long history at Satellite Sisters uh, like, do not drink the tea or stand by an open window. I have been talking about. Poison in the tea for years, yeah. for decades now. Okay, so uh, Not to I say that's true. Really have to say yes, that. I, I've been out front on that. I mean, I I heard a lot of those comments this weekend. That what is Prigozhin going to do in Belarus? I mean, uh, again, according to news reports, he landed there this morning. Uh, I don't think he was. You know, I don't think he's going to stay there uh, again. We we're just going to have to see, but. But where do you go if you're him? I, I know we're going to see, but it just seems like having done what he did, there's no place for you to hide now. Good good luck, because that's there's no place to hide from that. Uh, you know, and also I I'm always I always remember what Winston Churchill said about Russia. He said Russia is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Okay, and the longer I lived there, the less I understood. So right now, all the conventional wisdom here in the West is that this was a big loss for Putin. Like, oh, he's disgraced. He looks so weak. But is he really? I mean, he may actually have gained more Um, because, A, he can stand up and say he stopped a civil war. Okay, he also now has access to those 50,000 well-armed, vicious fighters that were in the Wagner group. They're now folded into the army. And he has the West in a position where they're underestimating Putin's strength again. So you see. Oh, okay. You're, you're, now you're just, I'm, this all sounds bad. And all of <laughs> and every character in the story is a vicious thug, right? Yes. Yeah. There's there's no upside here, right? You're no, not no, there's no upside. There this is a lot of volatility. Well, obviously, in a country with nuclear weapons at war with Ukraine. Uh, but, uh, you know, again, it, just what we saw may not have been what really was happening. That's all. Okay. I, that's what I think. Okay. Sort of a Potemkin situation. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Whew. Okay. Well, you can watch that movie if you want to, if you want to understand that reference. Okay. Well, we have a lot, uh, there's going to be a lot to follow along here. Thank goodness we have you, Julie. We've said this so many times. It's amazing how much news comes out of Russia and thank goodness we have you. <laughs> All right. So I want to mention coming up next is a conversation with Chip Conley, much more on the brighter side of the future I got to say. And I'm very excited he's here. I interviewed Chip once before on my Workplace Advice podcast Safe for Work. Remember that? Yeah. So it was in 2018 when his book Wisdom at Work: The Making of a Modern Elder came out and um Rico and I interviewed him and I thought wow, this guy has an amazing personal story and a lot of ideas to share. So finally, five years later, we have him on Satellite Sisters today. (laughs) Good work, Liz. (laughs) So Chip is the founder of MEA, which stands for Modern Elder Economy, but we can just call it MEA. And their mission they've laid out is to reframe midlife from a crisis to a calling to help people discover a renewed sense of purpose in their lives. So that seems like a good idea, doesn't it? Couldn't we yeah. all a little bit of yes, that? please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. So some of this happens. They have a beautiful campus in Baja. They also have live online multi-week classes on many themes led by some really great um, thought leaders, as they say. And then in 2024, they're opening the first Midlife Wisdom School in the United States, and guess where it is? A place we love, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Oh, exciting. That's great. Cool. I know Santa Fe is right up your alley. Doesn't Santa Fe figure in your new novel, Lynn? Yes, it is the setting of my new novel. Yeah. Okay, so Chip's career path has been a really interesting one, so we'll hear about that, and also how MEA is out there to help people realize that we have more choices at Midlife and Beyond than we ever knew. So he's had a big life and he has a big laugh. Chip Connolly is up next. We want to thank Butcher Box for being a sponsor of Satellite Sisters and a sponsor for a long time. We appreciate that kind of support. And listeners, if you love Satellite Sisters, we really believe you're going to love Butcher Box, where you can get incredible deals on premium cuts of beef. And deals this good are hard to come by, even at the grocery store. All right, what we love about ButcherBox? Convenience. High-quality meat and seafood you can trust that shows up right at your doorstep with free shipping always, and you can curate that customized box plan. And you know who this is perfect for, Jewel? No, leigh what? The meal preppers in your life. Okay, meal prepping now is being taken to a whole new level. We used to just think of it as making a few things on Sunday, but no. People are on top of it. They are planning out their meals for the week, and ButcherBox is designed for this. It's perfect. You get these proportioned, you know, high-quality meat servings that come right in. It's right in your freezer. You can look ahead for the week ahead and go, okay, I've got chicken, I've got the salmon, I've got the scallops, or I've got steak tips. Fantastic. My week is done. So if you're a meal prepper, you're getting organized with your meals this week, ButcherBox is for you. I absolutely love the quality. This is exactly how I plan my meals. Looking in my freezer, what do I have? Let's go. So we want to tell you, Satellite Sisters, about a great deal. The key to becoming a meal prep master? Stay stocked up on the essentials. ButcherBox is here to help you do just that. They're offering Satellite Sisters listeners their choice of a weeknight meal must-have. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year, plus $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sisters and use code SISTERS to choose your free offer and get $20 off. That's right, butcherbox.com SISTERS and use code SISTERS to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Thanks, Butcherbox. Box. Leon and Julie here from Satellite Sisters, and you know we love pros. Pros is the custom hair care system that is truly made to order. And we are big proponents of pros here at Satellite Sisters. Thank you, pros, for supporting us and for supporting our hair goals. I mean, Julie, I am trying to get my hair in shape for my book tour, which starts in a little bit. I am going to be out and about. I'm going to be walking into rooms. I've got to get going. I got to make sure the hair looks good because people are looking. What do you think, Jill? Give me your honest assessment of my my prose progress, Leon. I'm looking at your hair on the screen, and it looks great. It's it's full of body. It's bouncy. Whoa, look at that! Just when you, zhuzh it up like that, it's amazing. I mean, you don't have any of that dryness you used to have in your hair. You know, uh, you make me a little jealous, Leon. You got some good looking hair going there. Thank you. You know what? I have seen a giant difference since I've been on the whole pros regime. I take the hair vitamins that are you know, specifically prescribed for me. Uh, they, I took the hair quiz. They analyzed my hair type. They know where I live. They know uh, in terms of the weather. They know how how often I go swimming. They know this. They know that. I take the vitamins. I use the shampoo, the conditioner, the uh, post-leave-in conditioner when I'm in a really dry place or it's the winter season. And I do think I'm making a lot of progress. Thank you, Julie. I I appreciate that. Uh, If you want to make progress with your hair, check out Pros. Custom made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 50% off your first subscription order today, plus 15% off and free shipping every subscription order after that. Okay, so that's great. 50% off your first subscription order, plus 15% off and free shipping every subscription order after that. Go to proscom slash sisters. And prose, you know, is P-R-O-S-E pros.com slash sisters for your free in-depth hair consultation and 50% off your first subscription order. Thanks, pros. Thanks for my hair. Welcome, Chip Conley. You know, you have been on my mind since we last spoke five years ago, and that doesn't happen very often. It is just Amazing to see what Modern
1: Elder Academy has been up to. Congratulations. Thank you, Liz. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm really honored to be with, with you and your sisters. And uh, yeah, let, let's talk about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I, you're thinking about aging and wisdom and midlife, all of that. I feel like you really sparked a movement. But first, you need to start by telling us, what do you mean by modern elder? Because the first time I heard that phrase, yeah, which is yeah. probably five years ago when we spoke, I thought, Wait one minute. Wait, wait, Stop right there. I'm not sure elder is the term I want for myself. So what is your definition of a modern elder?
1: Well, let me give you a little origin story and I'll be brief. So I, for 24 years, I ran a a boutique hotel company called Joie de Vivre. I started it when I was 26. I sold it when I was 50 uh, during the Great Recession. And I loved it for 22 of the 24 years. The last two or three years, I hated it and I didn't want to be doing it anymore um i went through what uh would be called a midlife crisis um i now call it a midlife chrysalis we'll come back to that oh yes midlife chrysalis so i got to the other side of that and um a couple years after i sold the company i was asked by the three young founders of airbnb to join them uh, with their little tech startup that nobody had ever heard of to take it and make it into a global brand and global hospitality giant and so within the first few months i was there I realized, oh my God, I'm twice the age of the average person here. I was 52 at the time. The average age was 26. They started calling me the modern elder. And I said, I don't, that sounds like a uh, magazine. I don't want to a yeah. modern elder. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Then they defined a modern elder for me. And they said, Chip, a modern elder is someone who's as curious as they are wise. Oh, when I heard that, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll be that. Um. So long story short is we we use the acronym MEA mostly as opposed to the whole modern elder academy, partly because yeah, being an elder sounds a lot like elderly. It's um, anything related to age has a certain amount of ageism built into it in, especially in Western society. So um, yeah, I, we are definitely trying to reclaim the word elder, but I would say more what we're trying to reclaim is the idea that wisdom is... As you get older, the most valuable asset you have, and learning how to reframe your relationship with aging is essential. As Becca Levy at Yale has shown, if you can actually move from a negative to a positive perspective on aging, you gain seven and a half years of additional longevity. So, really? Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. I also feel like the thinking has moved from thinking about the second half of our careers, to more holistically about the second half of our lives, because yeah. you say you say you want to change the aging narrative from growing old to growing whole, Chip. That yeah. sounds awesome. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: What like? It's, 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 you're a marketer, so you, so you probably <laughs> appreciate you appreciate bumper stickers and that, yes, um, bumper sticker slogans. So yeah, a couple thoughts here. Um, the average age of the people who come to to mea is fifty four, and about sixty four percent are women. Uh, is so average age 54, we've got 3,500 people who've come through our programs um, from 42 countries. We have 20. Wow, 23 that's incredible. Chapters. I so, like yeah. that. So long story short, is, it's people, um, we've got people as young as 28 and as old as 88, but 54 is the average. The average age is 54, but the average age that they think they're going to live till is 90. Mm-hmm. And here's the interesting math on this Liz. If you are 54, you have 36 years of adulthood behind you. 54 minus 18 when you started being an adult. If you're going to live till 90, 90 minus 54 is 36 years. So 54 is exactly halfway through your adult life. And when you start to realize that, you start to realize, wow, yes, I better start thinking about both my career and my life from the perspective of I I have a lot more ahead of me than I think I do. Yeah, One of the questions we like to ask at MEA is, what is it that you know now or have you done now that you wish you'd known or done 10 years ago? No. Think about that for a minute. And then imagine, Liz, 10 years from now, what would you regret 10 years from now if you didn't do it or learn it now? And that's a really great frame for anybody. That's part of the reason at age 57, I started to learn how to surf, I started learning Spanish. Um, and you know, it's easy to get caught up in the mindset, I'm too old to fill in the blank. Um, and the reality is when you have that much life ahead of you, learning how to become a beginner over and over again is one of the most important skills we can have in midlife and beyond.
0: Yeah, but we don't really like becoming be- beginners again sometimes, right? It seems like <laughs>
1: we know how to do all these things. Let's
0: just keep doing what we know how to do. Hey, exactly. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. I mean, it is. This is part of the reason why creating a program that helps people to come and feel comfortable being an idiot together, um, being being looking like an imbecile, whether it's (laughs) learning how how to juggle or learning how to surf or going out and doing your first yoga class or learning improv or frankly, just learning how to talk from what we call the third vault. The first vault is the facts of your life. The second vault is the stories of your life. The third vault is the place most people don't get to in their life, which is So the essence of what's happening in your life and to be able to meet people for the first time and get it within the first 24 hours to a place where like, oh my God, I'm conversing about stuff I don't even talk about with my spouse or my best friends, that is healthy because it opens up a channel to some stuff that's, you know, often stored in like an archeological dig deep inside of you.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like I need a new set of goals you know and and you've written that midlife is when we begin to worry that our life isn't turning out as expected and we may feel a sense of lost opportunity and frustrated longing and for me it's not so much lost opportunity but the need to develop new opportunities that aren't so obvious like what is my new list as a single woman with no kids who is 60 something those choices are not obvious. There's not like a standard list of things that I'm naturally going to do for the next 30 years.
1: I feel like I need to start working on that, Chip. Okay, let's talk about it. Are you open to me asking you some questions? Oh, I love this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, do yes. it. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're very open
0: to having you ask Liz questions. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope, softing is the answer to everything. So go. Yeah. I think we added Julie can ask questions too. <laughs> I've been mean, like, come on, like, let's, pile, let's pile on. Uh, okay, okay.
1: Ooh. Uh, first of all, is that like, if you go back to when you were an idealistic teenager or, you know, when you went, did you go to college? Liz, went, I went to
0: Brown. You went to Brown. Okay. Yes. I was, Ivy League. I was a, I was a complete major at Brown. Chip,
1: So, you know, very pre-professional. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. complete okay. I mean, wh- what is, what are some dreams and hopes that you had from, you know, early in your life that you sort of put to bed because they weren't realistic? Um, is are there any I mean especially you're complete I mean uh, tell me more about how you like to write.
0: You know what it's uh. what, it, it's funny you put your finger on writing because I do feel like I mean obviously I've done some of that some for satellite sisters some professional writing. But I, I've always felt like I should be doing more writing. And, I, Leon, you're constantly bugging me to do more writing. Constantly, Chip. Like, okay. do more writing. I don't know why you don't want to put some of this stuff down. Yeah. And I,
1: I don't remember most of the stuff I should have. That's okay. You'll, you'll. <laughs> ten years from now, you'll remember less of it. Um. But, so it's time to it's time to write. Um. Okay. You got to find your medium. What's the medium? So let me let me. I, I have a I have a daily blog called Wisdom Well. I've and seen that. Yeah. When my one of our, you know, someone who was in a marketing team at MEA a few years ago said, Chip, you know, I think it was four years ago. He said, We're going to set up a daily blog for you. And I was like, Well, I know my friend Seth Godin. Seth Godin and I went to business school together and he has a daily blog. And I like his blog. And but man, what a commitment. Daily blog. I like writing longer things. And I, I like writing books. I like writing, you know, longer essays. And he said, Well, just let's let's look at this. Let's explore it. Mm-hmm. And so what I came to realize is that I love writing a daily blog that is an average of about 300 to 400 words. I love it because, and I don't write it every day. I write, you know, 10 or 12 on a, a weekend just to get a supply out there for a couple weeks. And I found that to be my medium. Now, my medium is not necessarily podcasting. My medium is not, uh, you know, necessarily mm-hmm. longer books. I have a book coming out in January called Learning to Love Midlife and but it's the shortest book i've ever written because i've come to realize like i don't need to be like looking so academic so learning to like what is it what's the medium what's the medium that allows you to communicate and and if if writing is the medium great then what form of writing is it a blog is it a newsletter is it is it um you know books uh, is it is it ebooks is it essays and then you go yeah. with that yeah okay so listen to me on that second question um so you have no kids. I get yeah. that. Yes. What, when you think about the people who know you best and not your sisters, not anybody in your family, but the people who know you best in your life, think about it for a minute. Take a moment and write down their names, the five names, the, the five people who you would most reach out to beyond family if you really needed to have a serious conversation or you really wanted to have a deep conversation about something or something intimate. Okay, now do you have do you have those 5? I know that was quick. I have 3. Is oh, that three. okay? 3 is fine. Okay. What what are their ages relative to you? Are they what percentage of those 3 or how many of those 3 are at least 10 years older or at least 10 years younger? Uh 2 are 10 years younger.
0: Okay. Here's and one is a little older, but not 10 years older. But
1: okay, well, two out of three are younger. Two or three are two or three are at least that's great. The, on average when people do this exercise, four out of five people are within ten years of either side, which I think Jess, like we live in a very age segregated society. Mm-hmm. And so one of the thoughts I have for you is as someone who's had an amazing, you know, storied marketing career and has you've forged your life really in a really fascinating way. What are some ways for you to create some mutual mentorship relationships? Um, uh, What I call mentor, be a mentor and an intern at the same time with people who are younger than you. How could you find a way, and maybe you're only doing this, so if you are, then that's great. How could you find a way to create some intergenerational collaboration in your life so that you're going to learn from a young marketing person and you're going to teach them something too? What are the, what's the, what are the paths you could take? Um, or the avenues that would allow for you to build those kind of relationships. Because I got to say that one of the most important things we need to look at in a world where we have five uh, generations in the workplace at the same time is how do we create like a generational potluck? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and does (laughs) that any appeal to that at at all to you? Okay. Not only
0: does that appeal, Chip, I'm kind of getting chills as you're saying that because my sisters know I am already working on that. I am like... The reason I was not on the show last week is because I was in New York. I'm working with this group of young uh, content creators who cover sports, uh, but don't have the kinds of doors in that they need. And so it's a program called The Magic Boost that I created with some people. And so we are training up the next generation of sports storytellers and particularly uh, from diverse voices who are not represented in the sports world very well. Beautiful. Beautiful. So yeah, that's your and and I really really love working with these twenty somethings because and I'm learning so much as I work wow. with. So.
1: so we live in an era where we all should be mentors, a mentor mm-hmm. and an intern at the same time. When I was at Airbnb, my my boss was 21 years younger than me. Um, Brian Chesky, the CEO. But I was his mentor. So I was the in-house mentor to the CEO and co-founder. My job was to help him be, to become the best CEO possible because at age thirty one, he'd never, I mean, he had no business background at all, but he was really hungry to become a great leader. So I was reporting to my mentee, <laughs> which mm-hmm. was unusual because he'd be like,, you know, how often does that happen? But it's going to happen more and more by the year twenty twenty five, um, the majority of Americans will have a younger boss, so we're oh, let that sink in. Yeah, let that
0: sink in <laughs> because you know. I, I have to say, I'm Gen X. You guys are Boomers. I, you know, the people have a bad, uh, uh, you know, impression of Millennials and Gen Zs, and I I don't like that. I, I speak out against that. But people are not that happy to be bossed around by Millennials and Gen Zs. Well, we can. They're going to have to get over
1: it, huh? Well, we not just get over it, but help them. Like, yeah. How do we, you know, there's things that, like what I used to say with Brian was, Brian, we have a weird trade alliance here. You offer me DQ, digital intelligence, and I offer you EQ and emotional. Uh-huh. Yeah. Part of my job was to help sort of amp up the psychological, you know, emotional intelligence of Brian as a leader while he was teaching me so much about just the, the digital world because I was a bricks and mortar boutique hotelier. Um, yeah. so we have, yeah. there's so much to be learned from each other. Uh, so yes, this is a big one. And then I'd say one last thing, uh, Liz for you, what totally pisses you off or excites you that is a, a cause or a topic or something that you just feel like I've never really invested in that because I was too busy and mm-hmm. now, it, now it's time and it could be something for your own personal growth too. It doesn't have to be, you mm-hmm. know, uh, climate change. It could be whatever it is. But what's something that just, like, when you when you you get very animated about it, either in a form of excitement or in the form of being pissed off about it? Okay, I'll,
0: I'll have to think about that a little bit. On a am totally... thinking bad customer service. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Well, he gets pretty agitated about that, Chip. Yep. Okay.
1: Well, that could be, I mean, maybe that's the book you're going to write. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're going to write a book about okay. the customer's point of view is the the, the handbook. For customer service, delivered to you by a customer. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay, that could okay. be it. Yeah, it's true. I do have a lot of strong feelings about these kinds of things. <laughs> like, like, why is this happening, people? Like, what is what is going on with this flow through this space? I don't understand. What's your What's your least favorite airline? Um. Okay, let me think. Because I have. I do have a few of them. You have a few. Of them. Yes, I do. I have really, really avoided things like Spirit. So, I, I like there's you no. Know. And I've also avoided Southwest. Just because I, I just don't like the festival seating in the Southwest situation. You can right? you can do it. You can you can buy up. You know, to the what, what do you call it? The like, business the, select. Business select. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, oh, see, Julie knows. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to go with Southwest then. I have not. The, the few times I've flown Southwest, I did not need the cheerful storytellers on the mic. I just Ooh, did not need that. this part yeah. of my flying experience.
1: Like you, you know, I think in the early days it, it was really clever, and I think yeah. now all the airlines are trying to do it, and they really need to they need to send people to the the Dolan School of Humor to um, <laughs> actually like get it get it right, because you know just because you're up there talking doesn't mean you're funny or you know it, like thank you. Amen. Jeez. I hear you. I hear you. Hey, yeah.
0: I love them in Southwest. I disagree. I think they're great, and they put <laughs> put a smile on my face. You got to lean into that spirit. Okay. Uh, uh,
1: I'm I I'm a fan of Southwest because I I just I like the fact that they are very simple about what they do, and it, it's like they have a they have a brand promise, and it's like you know the freedom to fly and doing it affordably, generally. And yes, to don't fly with them over last holiday season. No, no, they're not good at the holiday season. They didn't do very well, but uh, but yeah, okay, all right. So so, Liz, I hope you didn't mind that process. No,
0: I'm 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 amazed at how you zeroed in very quickly on things that are important to me and that I've been really thinking about a lot. You know, here's the
1: thing. Um, you know, there's this, there's adolescence as a word didn't exist until 1904, and then this guy um, Stanley Hall, president of the American Psychological Association, wrote a book called Adolescence and said. Hey, there's this life stage between childhood and adulthood in your teens when you're going through emotional and hormonal and physical and identity transitions. We need to invest in that. And so as a result, you know, junior high schools and high schools sort of went public in a big way. And there were guidance counselors and there were child labor laws. There's a new life stage that's getting some attention in the academia, but not in pop culture yet, called middle essence. Middle essence. Middle-ess- middle essence is midlife when we're going through hormonal, emotional, physical, and identity transitions. And yet we as a society have done very little to provide people schools and tools, and, and, you know, uh, anything to practices that help people Mm -hmm. to understand how do we cultivate our wisdom at this point in our life? You know, how how do we move from a fixed to a growth mindset? Um, how do we navigate midlife transitions? We go through more transitions in midlife than any other era of adulthood. You know, like what, like you guys, like what are the... I I would agree with that,
0: Chip. You know, in fact, that was going to be my question to you because you're not always in control of these transitions. Uh, I was a trailing spouse and I found myself moving to Bangkok, Thailand. I didn't see that as part of my life plan. You know, that wasn't what I, but I think that happens to a lot of people that something in their life happens and all of a sudden you've got to make a pivot. You've got to decide, I've got to live this life because that's what's in front of me. Um, and it doesn't always go according to what your original plan was.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, think about it. So, so you changing location, that's something that happens mm-hmm. in midlife. What else happens?
0: Oh, yeah. empty nester. Yeah. Empty Esther changed my job. Yes, I think menopause. Yeah. Yeah, you know, all of these all of these transitions, parents okay, taking care of our parents when parents, you know, at exactly. the end of their lives. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. no, these were important things. Um, yeah. So Having cool. grandchildren for me was a big, was a big transition, a whole new role for me. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So our so the thing is we have but we've done very little as a society to help people Get a master's in transitions. So we we at MEA we talk about uh, TQ transitional intelligence, and we're in the process of actually trademarking um, that term because learning how to actually master transitions or navigate them at least is really important in life, especially in an era where gosh, 50 years ago, um, in the course of your career, you had three jobs. Today, you have 13 jobs in the course of your mm-hmm. career, and. Life is happening faster and in a more uncertain, crazy kind of way. So helping people to understand that there are three stages to any transition. There's the ending of something, there's the messy middle, and then there's the beginning of something new. And then help people understand, we can help teach you how to go through any transition in a more adept and accelerated kind of way. Um, And that's part of what we do at MEA. Because and that's part of- we even have a, a, a ebook that's free that's called The Anatomy of a Transition. So mm-hmm. I, I really believe this. And I, you know, unfortunately I lost five friends to suicide in midlife during oh, the great gas. how terrible. All of the men, all the age 42 to 52, mm-hmm. three, three of the five of them were entrepreneurs and it all happened between 2008 and 2010. And I gotta say that when I really look back and say, what was going on for my five friends and none of them were related to each other. So they were not, you know, and it wasn't like that one did it. And then, oh, well, then they decided they none of them even knew each other. Some of them were college friends, some of them were business school friends, Some of them people were were people I worked with. What was going on was they were going through a lot of transitions and and the Great Recession was you know, pretty punishing. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to navigate those transitions and in and in the case of men, they, are not nearly as adept as women in terms of talking what's going on inside of themselves. And, uh, why do you think that is? Well, we're growing, but that's how we were brought up. I mean, boys don't cry. You know, I, yeah. I, like I, I grew up in a family. My dad was like captain in the, in the Marines and like, boys don't cry, dude. I was the only, you know, that was the oldest son. I was Steven Townsend Connelly Jr. Chip off the old block. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. I was supposed to be just like my no, dad. I said- you didn't talk about your emotions, et cetera. So, I mean, at a young age, And there's a lot of books right now coming out about, you know, this, how men are struggling as adults in, in, especially American society. But I, I, but what's interesting is how needy, how much men need the opportunity to be vulnerable and to learn to how, how to build the muscle of developing social wellness. So social wellness means how do you use other people in your life as emotional insurance? We have property and liability insurance for a rainy day for our home, but you know, what's where's our emotional insurance for a rainy day for our life? And mm-hmm. for for women have it generally more than men because they are women are better at being at developing social wellness. It's interesting. The word wellness starts with the letters we w e, and the word illness starts with the letter i. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And women are more of a we culture, and men are. Yeah, was, these are gross generalizations. Let's start by saying that. No, no, yeah, men are more of an I culture, uh, and you know, starting with their I. And so that you know, that's an important part of what happens in midlife is men start feeling irrelevant, they start feeling impotent, and I'm not just talking about in their romantic life, but they start feeling like their best years are behind them. Women. Women actually feel invisible. So it's, it's irrelevance versus invisibility.
0: <laughs> That's so, so <laughs> interesting. That's so, I'm not <laughs> sure which is worse. Yeah.
1: Huh. I, I, I pick invisible. I'm picking invisible, Liz. I'm, I'm picking invisible. Okay. So, so I want to hear, 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 hear from the three of you now. Talk about invisibility in midlife and beyond.
0: Okay, Leon, you go first.
1: Well, I just, yeah,
0: the expectations are zero. You realize at one point, like, when you get, I, I found it most profoundly when I was getting dressed to go to a wedding, like, for the first time of a, you know, a, of a 20-something, and I realized, like, oh, my gosh, not a single person at this wedding is going to be looking at me, you know? No one's like, I mean, most weddings are tough, but as you're a 50-year-old woman, no one is looking at you ever. I I just talk, talk to, hate to myself. Hate I hate talk, talk to myself all the time, out loud, I... I don't even listen with earbuds to <laughs> things because I think no one's paying attention to me. I'm just a 50-year-old woman walking around the Rose ball listening to podcasts. No one cares. So, you know, there's something kind of good about it. You, know, you yeah. can just do your own thing.
1: Yeah. Is there a power of invisibility?
0: Yeah, I think there is. I think yeah. there is. Yeah. You stop caring. It, you know, comes with sort of a relaxing of other people's judgments. You stop thinking about sure. that's going to matter to me more oh boy, you know, this five pounds is really going to destroy my life or, yeah. oh, well, my roots are are on, you know, have need touching up, but no one cares. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's good. It's a problem when you walk into a professional situation and you feel like you're just being cruised right over. But, yeah. um, you know, you start to feel that, too, in a different way.
1: Yeah. The the, the study, studies out of Harvard have shown that women gain confidence in their 50s um, in, in a professional setting. Whereas men, it, it it has ebbed and started to decline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, these are averages. So like I want to make sure there's definitely the women have to deal with ageism and sexism at the same time. That's harder. Uh, but what happens with men is really interesting. Men become their own worst enemy more so than even women uh, in the sense that, yeah, in the dating sphere, it, you know, men, they're ha- men lucky, you know, the silver fox. No one talks about no one talks about the silver vixen, <laughs> but um, we're
0: going to start that though. That's a good idea. <laughs> I, I, I don't is, why that. don't you get on that? That, <laughs> that could be really helpful. That's a lifelong marketing project, Julie. Yes, good idea. There you
1: go. <laughs> but for men, what happens is that the the irrelevance shrinks them and makes them. Whereas women might just say, "Fuck it," you know. I I don't give a fuck, you know. Anymore, excuse me. I'm I'm not supposed to swear on this podcast.
0: You don't don't say those two
1: letters. So, so, whereas for a man, they just shrink and drink, and um, not to say that women don't drink Mm -hmm. more at that age too, but shrink and drink. I've never said that before. Wow, this is the most. They shrink. Okay, TM uh, trademark that. (laughs) Yeah, shrink and drink. And what happens is they just start to um, like evaporate and get crankier. Um, And partly it's because the world isn't operating the way it used to. Women had to deal with ageism from a young age. Right. Men, especially if you're a straight white man in your 50s, the very first time you're dealing with any kind of ism is dealing with ageism in your 50s and you are not mentally or emotionally prepared for it.
0: Mm. That that is fascinating. Never thought about that before. Look at you raised so many super important issues in such a short time. You know, MEA definitely has it going on. So I feel one thing I learned here today is that Satellite Sisters and the Satellite Sisterhood, it's not just a podcast, it's a social wellness enterprise. Now, oh, now Chip. Now I now I feel like we know that's always been what we've been about. We've said like the whole point of Satellite Sisters is the sound of friendship and talking about anything that friends talk about. So that really is social wellness. So thank you. you And it has been such a pleasure to connect again and uh, inspiring, I'm sure, for the whole far-flung uh, sisterhood so we look forward to working more together thank you yeah, chip yeah. midlife beyond here we go <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you gals it's it's great to connect and yeah let's do a satellite sisters workshop uh, let's do Baja it Baja or we're opening in Santa Fe next March so, like yeah let's do one
0: we Santa Fe Santa, Santa Fe King Santa Fe Hensel us in <laughs> Thanks Chip all thank you thank so you much Chip Chip bye Thanks, Chad. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye Lian and Julie here from Satellite Sisters, and we want to thank our friend Jenny Kane. Hi, Jenny. love <laughs> Jenny Kane. We know you know it's a California brand through and through, and we love their staples because it makes getting dressed so easy, minimalist, effortless, but totally refined. And hello, Julie Dolan. That's kind of you, minimalist, effortless, and totally refined. What have you been wearing from Jenny Kane this week, Lian? I love the cocoon cardigan. It's perfect for the hot again, cold again, weather we're having, you know, this is sweater weather. And you can just pop on that cardigan. And even if you're wearing something slumpy underneath, all of a sudden you look elevated and you're ready to go. You look minimalist, ever listen to totally refined when you wear the cocoon cardigan. Yes, I do, Leanne. Uh, I get compliments on it too, because it's just the perfect thing to put on. Well, that's why we love Jenny Kane is that everything is beautifully designed and really flatters the wearer. So we want to encourage you to check out everything over at JennyKane.com. You're going to find your new uniform. What is it that you want to put on that just perks up your your presentation? Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off their first order when they use code SISTERS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at JennyKane.com. And Jenny Kane is spelled J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E. JennyKane.com, promo code SISTERS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Thanks, Jenny. We are so happy at Satellite Sisters to have BritBox as a sponsor. You know, we love it. It's the streaming home of the best British television with exclusive mysteries, crime dramas, comedies, documentaries, and more. Julie, what's your fave? Vera, I love this show. I'm on season 11. I mean, Brenda Blethyn is such a great actress. And the character Liz Vera, I don't know if you've watched it, but she's essentially Margaret Thatcher in a trench coat, okay? <laughs> she is bossing people around and solving crime. I love her. Okay, well, I want to especially recommend Archie. Archie is a brand new limited series. It's starring Jason Isaacs as Archie Leach. Who is he? He's the man who became Cary Grant. And oh. you know, what's so interesting about this is it's sort of about how he became a star in Old Hollywood, how he went from being Archie Leach to being Cary Grant. But also because it's him growing up in Old Hollywood, there are a lot of people in the in the movie playing. Doris Day, Grace Kelly, George Burns, it's little snapshots of what it was like to become a movie star back in the day. So I really enjoyed it and recommend. So sign up for BritBox today to stream Archie and any other fan favorites from any device you have. So we have a special limited time offer. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for the monthly plan but only if you go to britbox.com and use our promo code sisters at checkout got it don't wait get 50% off your first month use promo code sisters at britbox.com okay we're back liz it was great to talk to chip conley i can see why he's been on your mind for 5 years cuz yeah. the work he's doing with the modern elder academy right. is pretty inspiring pretty yeah uh, yeah really thoughtful Pro- provocative, right? Yes. So, you know, all the li- all of the MEA links are in our show notes. So if you want to check it out yourself, they have a lot of stuff online where you can see what their classes are. You can see who some of their their teachers are. Anyway, check it out. It's all going to be in the Satellite Sisters show notes for this episode and on the blog at SatelliteSisters.com. Liz, I just want to say again, 300 words a day from you would be great. If that's, <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to... okay all right he said we need to understand what it's like to work for a younger boss and we've been working for Leon the whole time we've been doing this podcast all right i want to uh, let people know in july uh, july 18th we're going to be doing an ask us anything show okay so that's where you get to ask the questions and we get to answer them we're going to start a thread in the facebook group Uh, So you can put your questions there. But if you want to email us, we do have an email address. It's totally functional. And Liz knows how to retrieve it. So you can email (laughs) us your questions at hello at satellitesisters.com. That show is going to tape July 18th. And then we'll play that during our hiatus in August. We always take a few weeks off in the summertime to have a proper summer vacation. But we will have a fresh Ask Us Anything show. So again, hello at SatelliteSisters.com. Any questions you may have for us uh, as a group or individually, go ahead and send it through. And we'll compile those and put together a great show for everybody. It's going to be fun. We haven't done that in a while. No, no. You know what? We haven't. That's why we decided to do it. I was like, hey, we should do an Ask Us Anything. It's been a while. (laughs) All right. A couple of entertaining stories uh, for you here. Um, Not so many recommendations, but we we have some entertaining sisters that are more news stories. So, you guys, I don't know if you were aware that Steely Dan has become wildly popular now with millennials. Oh, no, I didn't know this. I'm very excited about yeah. that. I always love Steely Dan, Leah. Right. Happy that it's now cool to like them again. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Reeling in the Years has become a real like TikTok anthem. And, you know, they're discovering everything that Steely Dan has to offer. Um, and uh, what's interesting is that Steely Dan always had the rap of like not being a great touring band. And their, their professional reputation really fell off. Like there are people that loved him in the 70s, they had a couple big albums, but they are not a band that has sustained a lot of popularity. You know, it's not like oh. Bruce Springsteen. And they never toured. That was always the rap on Steely Dan, that they were not really a touring band. They were a studio band. So this Steely dan has come as like kind of a lovely midlife, end of life surprise for, for the boys at Steely Dan. Of course, we lost one uh, a couple months ago. But anyway, I want to let millennials and Gen Zs know that there are plenty of Steely Dan-like bands where you could rediscover them and it would be totally worth your while. I actually spent Friday night going through music on Spotify, identifying songs and and musicians where I felt like Gen Z should take a listen, right? Oh, Leah. Because they added a Steely Dan vibe to them? Yeah, a Steely Dan vibe, but also that same sort of thing like... Had a big album, had a big moment, but somehow, like, professionally oh. didn't, couldn't sustain, but also the, the damn vibe. Now, I'm gonna start with an absolute Dolan family fave, uh, and, and that is Boss Skaggs. Okay. Oh, oh my God. Silk wow. Degrees? Are you kidding me? So, well, I love that. Yeah, that's he was part of my anthem. Yeah, yeah that is why. It. And Julie, I challenge you just to listen to Silk Degrees again, start to finish. You are gonna sing along to every single song. <laughs> And if you're a millennial or Gen Z, just head right on over to the Lido Shuffle. It's got... Oh, gosh, that is the best. It's propulsive. It's got a good buildup. It's got some lyrics. You don't really know what they mean about Shy town and Down and Let It Go. I mean, you you don't know what's happening with the Lido Shuffle. And then it's got that great chorus about Lido. It's a sing-along anthem. It is. Yeah, I know. I know. If you enjoy reeling in the years, you will enjoy the Lido Shuffle. Also, a couple of other good tunes over there on that album that that you might want to discover. But that's that's my number one pick. Okay, okay, number two pick. uh, Because you know who else had a little like the Gen Zs, millennials discovered her a couple years ago, thanks to her Christmas song "River." Was Joni Mitchell? You know, she has had a a a Joni Mitchell songs. You know. And because that song River is in every single like YA movie on Netflix. I don't know if you know (laughs) that, but it's it's a requirement. That's a requirement. Yeah. And that's the only maybe song they know from Joni Mitchell, but that's fine. So if Joni Mitchell is your gal, I'm begging you, begging you to listen to Ricky Lee Jones. Oh, no, I'm begging, I'm, begging I'm, you. I'm, yeah, totally, totally. I, I need rain. First two albums, again, start to finish, not a bad song in the bunch. Got a lot of jazzy tunes. You got some ballads. You got some Chuckies in love. Chuckies you know, in love. I yeah, know, oh, my God. Leah, Leah, you love. see what you're doing? You have become an elder music leader <laughs> right here on the on the satellite sisters. That's it. Happening. You're, you're just leading. Bringing the wisdom, bringing the yes, wisdom. <laughs> she is. She's leading the younger generations. Thank you. you. And I believe Thank you, elder, elder sister. You're <laughs> okay. welcome. We even went to see the great Ricky Lee Jones at Carnegie Hall, of all places. We did. It was We're my right. first concert. You took me when I was like 14. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, got you started right. Started yeah. right. Okay. And then last one, um, you know, uh, when, um, uh, oh my gosh, Tina Turner died a couple weeks yes. ago. You know, she, she was simply the best. We all know that. i going to make yes. that, you know, make that cliche again. But you know who was also fantastic in 1979 and was a Dolan family fave that we washed a lot of dishes to? Donna Summer. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? On. I yes. mean, yes. that album, Bad Girls, in summer of 1979, we couldn't get enough of it. I just, again, I challenge you. If the Tina Turner, Simply the Best, you've been like, oh, that's great. Again, you all know it because of Shits Creek. You know, you don't really know it because of Tina Turner. Take a listen to Bad Girls. I'm begging you to listen to Dim All the Lights. I mean, that oh, is a great wow. disco song. So there you yeah. go. There are your three boss, ga- boss gags, Ricky Lee Jones and Donna Summer. I, they all deserve a renaissance. And uh, I hope millennials and Gen Z discover them. Okay. And, but feel free to contribute your own. If you have any, feel free to contribute your own on the Sunlight Sisters Facebook page. And then, you know, just as a brief, uh, a brief discussion of our girl, Taylor Swift. I mean, she has brought so much joy to my life in the last few years. My entire timeline is almost all Taylor Swift content from her <laughs> concerts. <laughs> Whether it's actual people I know who have been all over the country or just suggested for you, it's just one Taylor scene after another. Okay, so, but you know what? Fortune magazine identified last week. There's something they're calling the T Swift lift. She she has brought they estimate thanks to her era's concert tour going from city to city an extra five billion dollars into the U.S. economy. If you they took a look at Nashville very closely, I'll put a link to this article. And but if you take a look at like you know air travel, hotel rooms, restaurants, you know even retail around. The, the concept. Yeah, because you have to have a Taylor Swift outfit. You have to have your outfit never. Yeah, like I, that. $5 billion, $5 billion, the T Swift lift. So, Taylor, we love you. Keep going. <laughs> Keep doing it. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Keep it going, T Swift. Okay. Uh, now, another trending entertainment story, what the kids would call the Barbie of it all. That's what I, I would just like to talk about the Barbie of it all. There is an onslaught of all things Barbie. And I, I'm just going to take you through my emotional journey with Barbie, um, okay. but the, with the Barbie movie. No, what what is the yeah, or- be clear? It's the, the movie, movie. The movie. The movie coming out. Not the no, doll. Not the okay. No, no, no. I'm talking about the movie. So that's what I was. Here's my journey. Originally, I said they're making a movie about Barbie. Okay, there's no way I'm going to see that. That just seemed off the table. But then I thought, oh, it's directed by Greta Gerwig. Okay, well I love her. I love Lady Bird. I love Little Women all things Greta, although, well, then I have to support it. So, so so, then I was going that way. But then my Instagram feed was all of a sudden just bombarded with nothing but Barbie images. And once again, I'm like, I'm out. Enough. Stop with this. And then I realized, well, wait a minute. Ryan Gosling is in it playing Ken. Hmm. Provocative. Maybe I do need to look into this Barbie movie. You know, and then now everything is just turning to pink. It's just so pink. It's so much pink. I just, so I'm super on the fence about this. Uh, you guys can try to direct me one way or the other. But Julie, how are you feeling about the purview of it all? Well, Liz, let me ask you, do you feel like you're going to compromise yourself, your, uh, your well-being, if you go see the movie? No, no. I, I, I think I just have a natural resistance to to things that are just... Such a a marketing onslaught. Yeah, overly commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's but everything about it seems like, okay, well, if it's Greta and if it's Ryan and if it, like, it's probably going to be super interesting. But I would just like them to just back off a little bit and let me decide. Okay. Okay. I just don't feel like we were very strong Barbie. We weren't because Um, our mother didn't allow the Barbies in the house. She had a very... And she had a very strong rule about it because she didn't like all those nude Barbies lying around on the floor. That's what she said in just that voice. So we would have to go to our cousin's house, the Morning Stars, to play with Barbies. That's all I wanted was a Barbie. Never got one. Okay. so I think I'm in on the movie, Liz. Okay. Okay. I think I'm going to get some gal pals. OK, I might have might have a nice glass of rosé pink wine before <laughs> I watch. Oh, that's a good idea. OK, okay. so you're just going to throw yourself with the theme and go. Just just throw yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't wear pink. It's not really my color. But uh but I think you just. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> OK, what I like is that this Barbie movie is up against the Christopher Nolan movie Oppenheimer. And yeah. I when I say up against like it's only people in Hollywood that care about this. but yes. Like the. Two movies are opening on the same day and they could not be, you know, more different. So that the fact that this head to head competition has also broken out between the Oppenheimers and the Barbies, I think that's very funny, too. So I may go to the movie just to support this idea of like, let's bring the movies back. Let's bring the box office back. Let's just carry on with this idea that Barbie versus Oppenheimer is like a funny concept. So, uh, and I love, and I love Greta Gerwig. But, um, yeah, I don't feel that strongly about Barbie per se. Like, yeah. I feel like this could be like maybe a ten minute movie. So I don't know how she's going to string it out in ninety minutes, but <laughs> that's okay. sort of funny, yeah, yeah, ok. well, Liz, here here's what I would suggest because there was a headline in The New York Times this week that said Barbie core is surging, ok? That, the Barbie thing is now in uh, in home design: pink appliances, wallpaper, accent pillows, rugs, shutters. The hot, hot color for the summer is hot pink. It's fuchsia. It's magenta. Okay, there is even an official Barbie pink. So maybe you should just get some accent pieces in your house to see <laughs> how you feel about pink. Okay. They have a little pink pillow. Okay. Well, what do you that couldn't be that couldn't be? I don't know about that. I but I did notice that they they transformed, there's like a, an actual Malibu beach house. Yes. It's Malibu that they decked out, right? Yeah. Did you read yes. about that? Yes, right. Yes, decked the whole place out. But people are just they're going to this Barbie Corps decor because it's kind of a refuge from the modern farmhouse. Okay. No more white subway tile. <laughs> Okay. Put up a hot pink shower curtain, and I know you can do it in your house. Let's just see how that feels. Maybe that will help you decide about the movie. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I do want to support movies made by women, and and, and I guess starring a woman. Yes. So okay. All right. <laughs> starring a woman. <laughs> All right. Let us know. Let us know how you feel about Barbie. Hello at SatelliteSisters.com or you can always join the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. Um, we'd love to have you. You just have to search search us on Facebook and answer a few questions. You really do have to answer the questions because we want to make sure that the group is people that actively listen to the show and sort of understand the values of the show. Uh, it, it is not required that you feel strongly about Barbie one way or the other, <laughs> but we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. All right. Uh, Next week is the 4th of July. We are taking the day off, but don't worry because we put together a fresh hot show for you. It's Barbie free. Uh, We are going to be talking to the authors of one of our Satellite Sisters Best Beach bag Books pick, The Better Half. Really fun to talk to them about this like kind of zippy book about a woman in midlife who seems to have it all and then things just start happening. We really love... get complicated. Yes. So it's great to have a mid a middle-aged protagonist in this book. Uh, there's a lot of humor in the book. There's some romance. There's friendship. And it was super fun to talk to the co-authors about writing The Better Half, Allie Frank and Asha Yeomans. So we talked to them. And we're going to get you all set up on Zucchini. Jewel, I know you're not a fan. Uh, Liz said she's not a fan. But I think after you listen to Cynthia Graubart, uh, talk about her book, Zucchini Love. You're going to get on the zucchini trade. All right. And that on the zucchini boat, is that what you're saying? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Just how no, that was good. I was thinking I had made a sexual reference. So I was trying to bail out. Uh, but no, zucchini boat. You're going to get on the zucchini boat. Fantastic. Uh, so that's next week's show. It's a fresh new show for you that will uh, be available on July 4th. All right, we want to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio, for everything. We hope you have a great holiday. Thanks uh, to our graphic designer, Emily Borgi. That's right. She has a new last name. She's been married. Emily, thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, and we appreciated the sound spelling in your email to help us, <laughs> help us pronounce your new name. Thanks to our sponsors and thanks to you who support the sponsors that support us. It's a really, really important thing to do. And we appreciate everybody that uses the special URLs and the codes. It makes us possible for us to do this show. Also, if you like Satellite Sisters, please share Satellite Sisters. Yeah. It's so easy. It's ideal, to- right from the app that you're listening to tell your satellite sisters about the show simply by messaging them a link uh, to the show. Maybe, maybe this particular show you really enjoyed. Go ahead, message your satellite sisters and misters uh, to listen to the show. We would love that. Love that. All right. uh, To-do list. What, what do people have? Liz, what do you have? Well, you know, 4th of July coming up, Leanne, it's all about the Thunder shirt. Of course, for those of us who own dogs, which is all of us, you know, the 4th of July is the worst day of the year. Yeah. And um, it's uh, like they, the, the algorithm must know I'm a dog owner. I guess it sees pictures of Hooper. And I've gotten nothing but Thundershirt ads in my feed for the last <laughs> the last two weeks. And I did notice that they have a brand extension. They have a dog calming chew now called Thunder Wonders. So you might want to consider the Thunder Wonder uh, along with the Thundershirt. Good, I will. Yep, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, you know, it's 4th of July, so it means it's blueberry muffin season. Yes. Blueberry muffins have become a great Satellite Sister tradition. I will be posting that recipe everywhere. It will be in Pep Talk. And I will be making some blueberry muffins this weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. How about you, Jewel? Well, me too. Uh, Yes to the muffins, but I've also started my festooning. Uh, That would be uh, just decorating for the 4th of July. I'd like to get the American flags out early and uh, festoon. (laughs) <laughs> that's such an <laughs> excellent word, festoon. It says <laughs> uh. All right, sisters, that's the show for this week. Have a great week. You, you to do it. A and don't forget, call your satellite sister.